Welcome back to the Box of Box podcast. It is episode 41 of the podcast. And today I will be joined by a guest uh, and we'll be just talking about sort of what's been going on since the re- uh, project restart in the Premier League, uh, other European leagues, the end of the Bundesliga, and some uh, transfer news that are going on across the globe. And uh, I'm very excited for today's guest because um, I've been in recent contact with some uh, uh, podcasters that uh, talk about the Iranian uh, national team called Golbezan, and uh, they recommended me to talk to the host of Next Generation Podcast uh, and uh, to welcome uh, onto Box Box, uh, Shion, welcome. Hello, everybody. Is your lovely host, Shion, here. Uh, I'm really excited to be on the Box to Box podcast. Thanks for having me on, and I'm just pumped to, uh, to talk some footy with you guys. Yeah, thanks for joining. Um, before we actually get into uh, 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 the football news, uh, why don't you just give like sort of a brief summary of, of what your, your podcast is all about? So the Next Generation Football Podcast, kind of similar to yours, I'd say, is we talk generally about football. I, It's mainly, for the most part, it's been Premier League MLS-based, but we do talk about the Bundesliga and La Liga on odd time and Liga, but mainly it's been primarily about the MLS and the Premier League, as I am a Chelsea and Seattle Sounders supporter. Some episodes are specifically based revolving around those clubs been fortunate enough to have a lot of current and ex-MLS players join me on my podcast but basically it's just a fun laid-back podcast where we just talk about anything that is hot in the new in the news when it comes to soccer slash footy yeah it's kind of like right up our alley too because like uh my cousin and I were very laid back we sort of do our own uh like activities uh in each episode like we've done sort of uh, a 15 dollar uh team uh build a draft with my uh other cousins as well when they joined on so yeah i i get where you're coming from uh so uh chelsea fan i think this is the first time we've had a chelsea fan on um and you guys have uh recently signed uh timo werner and werner sorry to all the germans there that was uh my bad on that pronunciation timo werner and uh hakim zayach uh, from uh, uh, from Leipzig and uh, Ajax, respectively. What do you think of those signings? I personally think, in terms of wh- how much you bought them for, I think they're absolute bargains. However, those weren't, in my, from what I've seen of Chelsea this season, they haven't um, prioritized uh, defense. I personally think you guys need to prioritize defense. The... Uh, when it comes to Chelsea and these signings, Ziyech Werner, it, it shows real intent. It's been like two, three seasons now, honestly, by Chelsea Football Club, where they haven't had much intent in the market, which we haven't seen since like the early days of the Abramovich era, where like he was spending money like a madman when Jose was here, when Ancelotti was here. And those two signings, if anything, I'd actually say the opposite. I don't think defense 
is as important. Depends specifically. I think we don't need any center back. Personally, I don't see. I don't see that. Really? I mean, I, yeah, I personally don't think so. I think we have three amazing center backs that could be something big. We just need to get the thing is with Chelsea football club. There's no patience. There, well, there is, but there isn't. Based off of now, the like we sell and buy. We don't. We haven't really been in developing the youth, and I think. Christensen, Zuma, and Tamori, those guys could be such great center backs if you give them more and more time. We've seen that they are great defenders. I think, yes, we need to invest in a left-back position depending on what ends up happening with uh, Emerson because it looks like he's going to Juventus. Marcus Alonso doesn't cut out unless you play in the three-back formation. And then, luckily, we have Axel Aqueta who can play left or right back and Reece James the right back. So I'd say mainly, I guess also the goalkeeper is a part of it. When it comes to left back, if Emerson does leave, because I'm a big fan of Emerson, pre-injury uh, early on this season, he was doing insanely well. He was up there for one of the better outside backs. I agree. Leave. It looks like he's going to leave, so we do need to get a left back most likely. The Kepa situation, though, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know because any he frustrates me personally a lot because everything basically that any team shoots on target will most likely go in, <laughs> and. It's just, it depends on what Frank wants to do. I could care less if we end up staying with him because at the end of the day, they. I hate when people say you paid $80 million for Kepa. We technically only paid 40 Our hand was forced. We had to, we got rid of Courtois. And so we, That's true. we gained about $40 mil for uh, from him and then just paid another $40 mil on top to buy Kepa. It just depends on what Frank wants to do. I, I mean, if we keep Kepa, I don't really mind because I think – what people forget is David De Gea, even though he's been, a, regardless of his slump in form recently, he was not very good when he first came under Sir Alex Ferguson. Then he became literally one of the best goalkeepers in the world. You just got to give people time. There's always got, like, the more and more you fail, the more and more growth of success there will be. If he ends up deciding to sell him and buy Onana or whoever, it's at the end of the day, I don't mind that either. But I think Werner was an important signing because you can see that uh, we have zero creativity at top. And we have no goddamn right wingers, and luckily Diaz can play right winger. So I mean, we do. We have Pedro, we have Willian, but I'm so sick and tired of them too. I really am. I'm so tired. They are the oldest two right wingers in the Premier League, and I I'm sorry, but I would like to see them both gone. Maybe not for Willian. He's been really good recently, very yeah. recently, just because of he knows he needs to get. He want. He's trying to fight for this three year contract. He really wants, even though Chelsea are only offering him a two year deal. And so now he's playing really well, but he's Mr. Inconsistent. And if you look at his heat map, William has probably one of the worst heat maps for a right winger. He shoots in such ridiculous angles that yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not a big fan. And luckily with Diaz, he can also play as a number 10. He can play on the right side. Even if necessary, he can play on the left side. And even likewise for Werner, he can play out as winger out on right and left as a winger on top of that. And then we get rid of Batshuayi. You have Giroud as a third string. You have Sammy as a backup. I think, as much as people don't want to stay healthy competition for Tammy Abraham, they both can fight each other for that first starting striker spot. So I think Tammy's got it as well. It's all down to patience with Chelsea. Depends on how well they want to in- integrate this team together. And I think, again, we have a good defense. You just have to be patient. There isn't a lot of good defenders out there for a fair price. And we have three really good young defenders that could be someone big. And so at the end of the day, as many people want to say, we need like a Van Dyke at center back pairing next to one of the young ends. Well, why don't they just feed off each other and just become better on their own? Rudiger was supposed to be that guy, but honestly, I won't I even before the West Ham game, I've wanted Rudiger out of the gone. I'm not a big fan of him. 
Mm-hmm. I think out of all the center backs, he's by far our worst one. And <laughs> the thing is also age is not on his side as well compared to the other guys. So I'm really happy though with the Zietch and Werner signing. And especially for the prices, we paid such a good amount of money compared to how much Chelsea have spent ridiculous amounts of money on stupid players, uh, cough, cough, Danny Drinkwater. I'm really happy with these two signings. It shows real intent. And I think they are ne- very necessary to what they need going forward. Now, it's interesting because Zayic is, is more of like a 10, whereas, I, I I mean, from the Chelsea games that I've seen, you guys play more of like a 4-3-3 with like Pulisic on the left, Willie on the right, and then like Abraham or Giroud up top. Now, where would Zayic fit in that sort of system that Lampard's going with? Well, it's, it depends on what he's trying to do. Uh, what I may be guessing is, he, this is this is a nice part about signing Werner and Ziyech. If he wants, if push comes to shove, like let's say theoretically it's uh, Pulisic, Cami, and Ziyech at right winger. If he wants, he can sub out uh, Pulisic, bring on Werner, play two up top, slide Ziyech to that cam spot, or he could start that from the get-go. Uh, I know he, he is probably preferred to play on that uh, cam spot maybe. I mean, we've seen him play right winger really well for Ajax so it's not like the end of the world but That's it just true. adds versatility it adds insane versatility and it makes it so he can switch up his plans quickly and whenever he needs to and we've seen Frank is he's willing to be adjustable he's played the Conte style during the back early on sometimes this season like against Wolves and even though it didn't work well against Valencia in our first Champions League game he's still trying to be flexible and learn and people need to remember he's a young manager not a young person a young manager yeah and he's also trying to learn so this adds versatility depending on what like how he gels with the other players we'll see what he ends up doing but i'm guessing that's what he will want to do with uh zh is uh when needed he can start him in the camera maybe try two strikers at pop it's 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 not really it's become uh almost obsolete now two strikers it really has and it's mainly like the one strikers is the way to go but we'll see maybe he's willing to do that now it's interesting because I'm, well, I mean, as an Arsenal fan, I'm kind of in the same boat as you because, you know, as you said, Lampard's a young manager. He needs time. And I'm the same with Arteta. I, I think we just need to trust the process, kind of give him the right players um, in his system. He's kind of go. I think the past couple games, he's gone with three at the back. And that's completely changed how David Luiz is playing because I... I, I David Luiz as a he plays really well on a three in the back. Yeah, he re- he really is a a much better player at three at the back, and I wonder if Arteta is going to keep that three at the back next season, or if he's going to go for more of a Man City Pep Guardiola type where he plays a four three three with a holding midfielder and then two attacking eights or two tens basically with you know what Man City is doing with Rodri and, or Fernandinho, and then you guys uh, and then they got um. Uh, De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva or Foden. And then up top, you got like Sterling. Osane left, obviously. And then like Gabriel Jesus, Mares, Aguero. Um, I prefer that because um, I just, I just don't, I think uh, we have way too, we have way too many center backs right now. We, I think on the cards, we have, I believe, eight and two out on loan. Um within those eight and none of them are just top tier yet i think saliba has a lot of potential um we have uh we are obviously linked with upamecano from leipzig and i would love that signing we're also linked to other left-footed center backs because we don't have any in the club we have pablo mari but he's unfortunately injured and he's just not 
uh, I think starting material yet. I think he's a good uh, role player. Um, but yeah, I think I think I like where Arteta's heading, and I think that's the same uh, uh, going back to Chelsea. I think that's like sort of the same route that Lampard's going. You saw, you're saying that you need patience. You need to give him the right players. You need to give him the right tools. Uh, the players are right for the system. Um, that I think that's a good lead up to my next question about Chelsea because we've seen so many uh, changes to the lineup. You know, you 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 were talking about Christensen, Zuma, Rudiger. They always go in and out of the um, center back slot. Uh, at the beginning of the season, Emerson was playing well, but now Alonso's in. Aspilicueta can play anywhere in defense. But my biggest question is that three midfielders you got like Kovacic, Barkley, Conte. What do you think is your best midfield for uh, for Lampard's system? See, that's a tough question. And that's something I don't really know. If you said defense, I could easily give that one to you. But midfield's tough because we can clearly see Mason Mount is Lamps. Is, uh, he sees himself in Mount. So he's a big-time favorite. Mount, I like him, but he's not one of my favorite. Out of all the youngsters, Tamori's my favorite youngster. I like Mount a lot. And... I, I, from what I've seen, I don't know, because the part of your question was, what do you think is the best for Lampard's system? But what I've seen so far in the season is when it was Conte, Jorginho, Kovacic, or it's Mount, Kovacic, Jorginho. It had to be Jorginho and Kovacic together. When those two were playing together, they were playing so, so well. They really were, yeah. Now, and then now Barkley's in there. I don't. It's re- it's really tough, but for sure, if I were to put two, like two for sure would be in there, is uh, Kovacic, Jorginho. Now there's these weird rumors going around with uh, Juventus, which doesn't make any sense to me. Why Juventus needs another midfielder? I understand <laughs> he's sorry, he's sorry, boy. Uh, but true, I would yeah. hope we, I hope we keep hold of Jorginho. I think probably the best three midfield for Lampard anyway is Mount, Kovacic, uh, Jorginho. From, from what I've seen, because it seems like Conte, he likes Conte a lot, but he's now becoming very, very injury-prone. So I think he's, he's going he's gonna to start noticing that and slowly start easing him out of the team, make some money off of uh, Conte, and then we'll see how that goes. That's a shame, because Conte's kind of like the most likable person in the, in the Premier League. You know, 100%. Yeah, I, I, I don't think anyone... You know, I always, I always tell people, like, everyone's going to have haters. I don't think Conte has any haters. Uh, he does not. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, he just like gives 110% of the team to the team. And I, I, I love the, uh, fact you po- pointed out with Juventus buying so many midfielders. I mean, they just had that ridiculous swap deal with Barcelona, with Artur and Pjanic, uh, going the other way. I, that one makes no sense to me. Cause it makes no sense. Yeah. For both parties, honestly, because, Artur's young and he's got potential. He's he he's a good dribble dribble over the ball. Um, Pjanic is like sort of on the old side. I, I I really enjoyed watching him when he was at Roma. Um, very good free kick specialist. Um, but I, again, Barcelona is sort of nearing that. Their most of their players are sort of past their prime. I mean, Messi is an exception, but like Pjanic, Rakitic, PK, Jordi Alba. Griezmann, I think, is turning 30, or he is 30. Um, you know, Suarez. Uh, and then on the other side with Juventus, they already have too many midfielders. I would have understood if they did a swap deal for another player, someone like uh, Longley. Maybe they needed a center back. 
but I mean, now it's Artur, Rabio, Chan. No, Chan's at Dortmund. Uh, uh, Ramsey, Matuidi. I mean, I, the list goes on. I. What, what What were your thoughts when you saw that and those news? I mean, I think you say it best. Doesn't really make sense, honestly. When you really think about it in the grand scheme of things for both parties, I think Juventus definitely got the steal because they basically only paid twelve million for Artur, whose price will most likely double in the future because he's probably one of the best midfielders ever. And Barca fans are pretty upset. From what I've heard, is the reason why Barcelona made the deal was to. It's to help out financially. I don't know exactly what it is. I haven't looked that deep into it because, as I, as you guys know, I'm a Chelsea fan, so it doesn't really affect my life a whole lot. Mm-hmm. But it, 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 it think, I believe it's to sort out the, the checks and balances for Barcelona, who've been in turmoil from the Griezmann signing, which they had to pay a lot of money for. They still technically have to pay part of Coutinho's wages because he's not officially sold yet. So... It's, uh, it's, an, it's, I don't know, it doesn't really make sense. But for Juventus, they can honestly double, triple the amount of money. And then you got to think about that a lot of teams don't have a lot of money due to all that's happening with the coronavirus stuff. So that's partially why that deal was so cheap. But I think Juventus can make an easy, easy profit out of the Artur signing, depending on if he does play and if he's sorry, he's main guy. So then that's why I don't understand the Jorginho uh, links with Juventus as well. So, uh, right. yeah, I totally don't understand it either. Right. Yeah. Um, I think this is a good segue to, I, I think the main topic we want to sort of uh, talk about later on uh, is uh, the last few games of the Premier League, as well as uh, some other transfer targets as well. But it's a good segue to go into the Serie A. Um, at first, when I'm looking, I'm looking at the table right now, and Juventus are over lots, uh, are seven points ahead of Lazio. When I saw that, I'm like, um, well, Juventus is just going to win again. But when I looked at their schedule... Uh, they still have to play Lazio, and they have eight games remaining, so a lot of time to slip up. They have AC Milan tomorrow. They have Atalanta, Lazio, like I mentioned, and uh, Roma on their last day. Do you see any way for Lazio to catch up? I mean, as you said, I was going to also say about the with the Serie A fixtures for Juventus. They have a tough game with Milan, which you saw in the Copa Italia. They barely scraped through because of a Wagle free lockdown. They play Atalanta, who I said were going to be the dark horses in this season's Champions League. And look how, not going to lie, since this big Champions League push they've had since like the second half of the group stage, Atalanta's also done fairly well in the league as well. I love how they play. Yeah, it's, it's a very refreshing team to watch. So, it's sad because I want to see Inter be in the title race. They're definitely not in it anymore. I mean, it depends just if Juventus flips, which is very likely, because they weren't able to kill off the game against Napoli in the Copa Italia final. If they lose one of their games from against lose or draw from uh, AC or Atalanta's game when they play against them and then beat them, then they're back in the title race. But the odds of them flipping again, we've seen it where the title race got close. Like, I think Sarri's last season with Juventus, they won their game against Juventus. I mean, uh, Napoli's game against Juventus, where Koulibaly scored in the last minute. I believe they were a point ahead or a yes, point I behind. remember that. So they, yeah, yeah, they were only, they were so close, but then Juventus just knew they were, they won all the rest of their game. Napoli ends up flipping in like the second to last game, so that's why I say most likely not. I see Juventus pulling it through when push comes to shove. I, I could see it getting close. I could see it being a three point two pointer difference, but it's 
uh, just the quality of Juventus, the experience of closing off the league. You got Ronaldo in some people's eyes, the best player in the world, the second best player in the world. He's not <laughs> even in my top three anymore at the moment anymore, like in current form, best players right now. Mm-hmm. And he's a match winner. He wants to win Syria for the second time again. So I don't see uh, Lazio doing it, but I'll see them pushing them very close to the end. I agree. I, I think Ronaldo's mentality is just uh, way above everyone else. If he wants to win the title, he will win the title. He will win. Yeah, yeah. he'll grab him by the scruff of the neck and he'll carry them to that title. Definitely. I think I think you you brought a great example with Napoli when Sari was there. And I remember watching that game when Koulibaly scored that goal. And I, I legitimately thought, because I remember watching that Napoli team with Jorginho when he was there, Koulibaly one of the best center backs in the world, still is. Um, Insigne, Mertens, Hamshik, you know, they they were running rampant in Syria that year. And then for some reason after that Juventus game, they just slipped up. I think Lazio, it, it, it all comes down to Lazio, in my opinion, in more than Juventus. I think Lazio literally have to win every game remaining for them to have a chance because Juventus, yeah. is, it's going to be very hard for them to slip up as well. Um, exactly. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a, a a good segue to go to uh, the La Liga now. Um, and yes, and yesterday I saw some of uh, a bit of Barcelona's game. Uh, they beat Villarreal four one, I believe. Uh, Griezmann two goals, Messi with two assists. Uh, but Real Madrid and their top goal scorer Sergio Ramos, uh, like it, they're 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 not stopping, and it looks like th- they're four points ahead of uh, Barcelona. It's kind of just a two horse race. I don't think Madrid's too far behind. Um, I, at the beginning of La- at the beginning of the, the restart, I thought Barcelona was actually gonna move on, uh, like just breeze past La Liga because of. Uh, their schedule, but they just keep slipping. I don't know if it's the management. I don't know if it's the players. Uh, so what do you think will end up uh, happening in La Liga? Uh, I mean, I think Barca has choked it. I think basically it's Real to win. They're four points clear. They can still slip a game and they still be fine. I believe there's about like six, seven games left or maybe less than that, maybe five. And... I just see Real Madrid easy peasy. They're winning this. They're gonna. It's like I, there's too much going on behind the scenes with Barcelona and like with these Cuban Messi rumors that he wants out, and just just the board with the Artur selling. Like it's just like their intentions are just not good, and there's just something going on back there that we all don't know. Doesn't seem like their heads are quite in it anymore. So. I think it's easy. I think Hazard's going to win his first La Liga in his first season. Barcelona will finish second. Atleti will finish third. I don't think there's much conversation here because they also, to, uh, to Real Madrid's credit, they have a lot more easier games compared to Barcelona. We've seen, even though the games weren't like they played Real Madrid again, uh, but they clearly couldn't They couldn't keep up uh, against Atletico. They didn't keep up against, I believe it was, uh, Athletic Bilbao. Uh, that they that they yeah they just beat them yeah yeah so so I just don't see I'm sorry Celta Vigo Celta Vigo they drew two to two against Celta Vigo and again that was a game where they were in total control and then they concede again uh, after being up two one same thing happened against Atletico so I just see it being Real Madrid to win and they can even slip up a game if they like and they can still win it so yeah I agree it's actually it's actually strange because like with the Serie A you know, uh, Juventus have more of a gap towards Lazio, 
And when you think Barcelona, you think, well, if they have Messi, anything can happen. But I mean, Real Madrid, I'm, uh, they, they've won six ga- se- seven games in a row. Actually, wait, they've won every game since restart. Yeah. yeah, and um, and they have four games left, and like you said, they could still slip up just once. And their toughest opponent is Villarreal, who are currently in fifth. And then after that, it's uh, I believe it is Granada who are in tenth. So it's a very easy schedule for Real Madrid. Um, I, yeah, I think even if they do draw or lose uh, to that uh, to Villarreal, which is I think that's going to be their toughest opponent, I just don't see it happening. Um, with I think Benzema's playing great. I think Sergio Ramos is just a, such a, a another one of those players that men- mentally just needs to win La Liga every time. Uh, another player like Ronaldo. That's why they just worked so well together on both sides of the pitch when uh, Ronaldo started Real Madrid. Um, but yeah, I think we're on the same page here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, now moving on to transfer targets. Now I'm, uh, I'm going to be a little selfish here and go, go, go to Arsenal for a couple, a couple minutes. I've heard from, I've heard, (laughs) yeah. Uh, I've heard from multiple sources, um, especially a, a couple like Arsenal, uh, Twitter accounts, that um, Thomas Party from uh, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Thomas, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, Thomas Party from Atletico Madrid uh, will join Arsenal after Atletico Madrid's uh, Champions League campaign, and they say it is a done deal. Uh, personal terms were agreed. Uh, I think release clause was uh, triggered, and literally all all party uh Thomas has to do is to finish the season and then he will join the uh, join Arsenal. Now, I've 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 seen from many Arsenal fans what they think of Thomas Party and they say that he can, he he will literally change our midfield. Now, I want to see from an outsider's point of view because he's definitely he's played in a bunch of Champions League games. I've seen him play in the Champions League as well and a few La Liga games. What do you think of that uh, of if that uh signing goes through? Uh, Thomas Party probably one of the top five best DMs, especially because he can play, he knows how to play parts of us when it matters. Cause that's Simeone style. Uh, I think he's perfect for Arsenal. He has the grit. He's got the determination. And also when it looks like Arteta doesn't really like Carrera anymore. And like with what's going on with when doozy, he could be a big, big cog in your system. And he is a relentless runner that will win you the ball. As some similarities to Conte, he loves just playing defense. And then if he needs to score a banger, he's got a banger in him. So I don't see how that's a bad signing. It's the perfect signing for Arsenal. It's more of an Arteta-based signing. It's kind of someone he needs because he clearly is not showing who he likes and dislikes within the squad based off his lineups and how he's bringing on. So I think it's a perfect signing. I don't see any issue with that for Arsenal that that I honestly that just made me so much happier because like I I, I don't want to be one of those Arsenal fans that say oh he's the best player in the world oh we're just gonna we're, we're gonna tie a uh, like challenge for the <laughs> title now now I don't want to I, I want to be realistic you know I, I like it's weird because there were so uh, a few games when uh, Emery was still there that I watched and like when we beat Spurs 4-2 when we beat um Napoli a uh, 3-0 on aggregate when we beat um, oh, Leicester 3-1 when Ozil just ran the show. You know, I was looking at that like, wow, he could be the next guy. But then everything just sort of fell apart. 
I really, really, really want Arteta to succeed just because he was a captain at Arsenal. He really knows what it means to be an Arsenal player. And he even said publicly that he's not going to beg players to join Arsenal. He ju- he wants people to join based on what the club is for. They really they're really changing the culture, and I think this is really changing how we're making these signings as well. And I mean, I mentioned earlier, uh, like Upamecano is is uh, touching base with uh, you know our board, and we're touching base with their agents, uh, his agents. So it, it could really be the start of something big. I don't want to get too overexcited. But, I mean, I, I really, really think um, Arsenal and Chelsea, are even Man United, we're all in the same boat. Young managers who has played, uh, and every both all three of our managers have played for that uh, our respective clubs, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Frank Lampard, and Mikel Arteta. And... You know they they know what the club means to each of them, and they're trying to buy players that will fit to both their system and uh, to the culture. And I think this is really good for them. Yeah, I totally agree. I think Arteta has a good mindset. He he wants to build something new within Arsenal, and as you said, he wants players that want to actually play for the club to come and play. He's not going to force anyone that he knows that's not going to have the right mental attitude towards him. So he's starting something fresh. So it's a big risk by Arsenal to appoint him because he doesn't really have any experience and we'll see if it pays off. And it's kind of nice to see from Arsenal that they're willing to take risks like this uh, in regards to their management. Yeah. Now uh, let's move on to sort of our league, you know, the Premier League, and see how uh, the table stands right now. I think uh, right now, literally anyone from third to sixth can it can interchange. I think it's interchangeable. Um, uh, Leicester with fifty eight points, Chelsea with fifty seven, Man United with fifty five, and Wolves with fifty two. We have forty nine, but uh, I think. We might have a chance to finish fifth, um, uh, but with uh, some hard fixtures coming up, I, 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 I see that being pretty I unlikely. I don't see Arsenal finish fifth. I think you guys are about where you're going to be. Yeah, I, 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 as much as it hurts, I, I agree. Just because of where who we're playing, we have Leicester tomorrow, then we have uh, Liverpool, then Tottenham. So it's going to be very tough, and uh, the gap is... Uh, very small, uh, I, I, very large, I mean, uh, to close uh, Man United or Wolves or Chelsea. So a big a big story, uh, I, well, not really story, but the biggest team that I'm surprised of how poorly they've uh, played since the restart is Leicester. Um, I mean, uh, w- what are your takes on Leicester City since the restart? Well, Leicester for sure ex- exceeded expectations in general this season. I mean, if you think about it, Leicester, like the game against Watford, they scored late. They just blew their concentration late on there. That's another point drop. The game against Brighton, they didn't really attack. And if it wasn't for Casper Schmeichel penalty save, they might have lost that game. But again, these are small things. They're at least still points picked up. There's not no points that they didn't win in those games. They lost to Chelsea in the FA Cup. That could, that game could have gone either way, honestly. Then they come out with a convincing 3-0 win. So it's like they've been all right, and I think it's like basically Leicester form, and I, I think that they're doing really well. I think they will slip out of third, 
and I think Chelsea will end up getting finishing third place. But yeah, it's just been slightly poor form. Just not. I mean, that comes comes down to depth, and it comes down to experience. And mm-hmm. Leicester don't have that as much as they used to compared to their title winning team, which has changed a lot since then. So I just think it comes down to experience. Now, there's been some uh, talk about, uh, you know, with like not just not just in the Premier League, but just in all sports in general. If they ter- uh, come to restart, like with the NBA going to Orlando, uh, MLS doing uh, doing that new tournament setup, um, do you think that whoever wins their respective league should add an asterisk, asterisk um, next to their name? If they become champions, so like with Liverpool, do do you think they should add that? Oh, I've never even thought about this. Or even, this question has really come up. I mean, I sh- I don't see why not. I mean, if they won the league, and so I mean, it'd be cool just to have that on there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of split. I'm kind of split on both ends because, like, on one end you have you know Liverpool with almost impossible for them to slip up for them to win the league so it's it's tough for me to give them one because I feel like they would have won it even if there wasn't uh, uh if they were given the title if this uh, season w- wasn't restarted or even if the uh, uh, season was uh finished regularly but with other leagues in I mean in other sports I believe they should get it just because of what's been go- like especially in the U.S with like NBA, MLS, I believe they should just because of how much more difficult it will be. Um, I, I personally think it's actually going to be the toughest. Cha- like, I don't remember who said some, Oh yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you heard of this, but in the NBA, Austin rivers who plays for the Rockets, he said, um, they deserve an asterisk, but for the other reason, I think they should get it because it's going to be the most difficult championship to win ever. I I what do you think? I mean, I don't know personally much about basketball, uh, but I mean, if if that's what they think is is the is the best solution, then sure. But I mean, in regards to Liverpool's case, yeah, I mean, they were pretty much going to win the league no matter what. It was kind of more of an inevitable situation. But then you got to think about the other teams that are below them that are fighting, like we're talking about for Champions League spots, like Leicester, like Chelsea, like. Manchester United so just it just depends on what they think is best uh for their leagues honestly and then again though in the United States it's like a whole different story behind what's going on with Europe like league uh, canceled their season there Divizi canceled their season they named PSG champions they know they voided who, who uh the top of the table uh, whoever was top of the table in there Divizi which is Ajax they didn't even award them yeah uh being champions so I don't know. It totally just goes by the digression of the of the league, what they want to end up doing. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how each each league does it as well. Um, now moving down the table, it's going to be, I think, actually just as um, interesting to watch what, what the Champions League and Europa League spots will be like at the end of the season, but as well as relegation. I think we can all agree that Norwich is going down, unfortunately. And yeah. they had a bit of a fallout um, at the end of their last game. Uh, uh, they played they played Brighton, yeah. They lost to Brighton 1-0. And the players sort of just stood there, uh, didn't go back to their locker rooms, and they were kind of just, like, arguing with each other. 
Um, so I think they're most likely going down. But the other two spots, it's up for grabs, really between West Ham, Watford, Aston Villa, and Bournemouth. Um, who do you think will be uh, the other two that's going to go down with Norwich? I think it will most likely be... I think it's going to be... It's so tough to say. I think West Ham's for sure going to be that team. And I think... West Ham? Probably Bournemouth. Yes, West Ham. Wow, okay. They're only, they're only like four points ahead, but oh my God, their team is so abysmal, man. Like... <laughs> If you watch them, are like, you are you just are you just kind of still salty from when you lost to them? No, no, no. It's just, sorry about that. It's totally irrelevant from what happened from that previous game. Uh, I think it's just more so. I just don't like Moyes. Just seems like the wrong guy. It just seems like the team wants to play for him. It's just like it's not a good situation right now that's going on with uh with West Ham right now, and I think they'll most likely go down. Villa. I would say their only hope is Jack Grealish, maybe. I think their yeah. team is, like, doing, like, has been inconsistent since the restart. But I'll go with uh, West Ham and Bournemouth just on a whim that they'll, those two will get relegated. Oh, I mean, that's I mean that's a pretty cool prediction. I mean, usually, like, I like when people sort of, like, go outside the box, you know, like, with any kind of predictions they have. I I think w- what the table is right now. I think it will actually it will actually stay like this. Okay. I think it will be Bournemouth and Aston Villa, just because Bournemouth's schedule is just. I mean, I think they've been definitely the worst team since um, restart. A uh, loss to uh, Man United, Newcastle, Wolves, Crystal Palace. Uh, I mean, they they haven't gotten a single point. I mean, Norwich, you kind of expect it, but I mean. <laughs> They 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 gave I mean they gave Man United a good fight in the in the uh, FA Cup, uh, but unfortunately yeah, they, they, they lost that game. Um, but yeah, I mean Bournemouth's uh, uh, schedule is just uh, they got they got Tottenham next, then Leicester, then City, and then and then they got Southampton, Everton. Southampton and Everton couldn't be can be winnable games. I just watched the Everton Spurs game and Everton were just lacking creativity all over the pitch and I mean it's it's gonna be very tough I think I just think uh Watford uh with Nigel Pearson as their manager I think he could definitely get them out of that spot and I think with West Ham I actually uh think they have a couple quality players like Declan Rice Antonio uh, uh Felipe Anderson's been off form uh Suchek has been playing pretty well uh, Fabianski is a solid keeper. Um, so I think West Ham will stay up. I think Watford, just purely based on Nigel Pearson's uh, CV, I think he's been uh, used to he's used to these sort of situations and he'll get them out of the uh, uh, relegation zone. So I think it's going to be Bournemouth. And Aston Villa, like you said, uh, I think Jack Grealish is kind of like they're just their only shining light. And uh, they got Man United next. Uh, they got uh, oh, th- wow. They're, I just checked. Their last game is actually against West Ham, so that could be Perfect. really, really that's fun. The game game. They'll win, and that's what we'll think West Ham. There you go. Uh, <laughs> I, I now I think it's going to be the other way around, but we'll definitely see uh, on that last day, uh, on that last game week. So that'll be very fun to watch. I I, I always enjoy watching the. Uh, when we already know the champions, I always enjoy watching the relegation battles to see, like, uh, unfortunately, obviously, there are going to be no fans. 
uh, at the stadium, but it's always so cool to watch like the fans sort of like rejoice and like we're staying in the Premier League, we're staying in the Premier League. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Brighton's pretty safe, um, but yeah, I think so. Uh, actually, uh, this is a this is actually a pretty. Uh, uh, I, I actually saw uh, on your Twitter earlier um, about uh, John Bash on Brighton, and he just hasn't. Uh, he just hasn't been in the squad, and I don't know why. Honestly, I don't know if it's some something private that's going on between him and the team. But at the same time, he's been tweeting out like no matter what, and he's like showing love to the club. So, what are your thoughts on John Bash? Um, just sort of not not giving uh, not getting the chance at Brighton. Dude, honestly, the Jahan Bash situation makes zero sense to me, and it kind of makes me angry because, like, games like against Manchester United, where they're getting absolutely, like, collapsed the whole game, that's the perfect time to bring on someone that can make a slight difference within the, ga- the game for them. He hasn't appeared now for five games since the restart. Which is, I mean, since the restart, he hasn't made any appearances where he was on really good form prior to uh, the restart. And, I mean, Grant Potter's come out to say he's just unlucky. He has a really good attitude. He's a really good player, but it doesn't make sense why he hasn't played. I think it's just best for him to leave because he's, even though he doesn't play and people consider him a flop, he's much better than Brighton's team. And if they're clearly not going to use him, then he should just go play for another team. What I think is a funny rumor is he should go to Crystal Palace, who are rivals with Brighton, <laughs> or go, I think Crystal Palace would be a really funny one for him to go to. Ajax is apparently a big one because they got rid of Ziyech and they already know John Bosch is really good in the Eredivisie, so they might replace him with him. There's this, it's just kind of all over the place, but I think he should leave, and they're not treating him well, and there's no reason why he should be treated like this. I, it doesn't make any sense. If, if no one has any reason, like any sources why he's not playing, and the manager has literally said he has really good work ethic and he's a really good player, then I don't know. I think he just needs to leave because this team just is not treating him well. Yeah, I I really don't under like I, I'm I'm I always look at their squad. Um, I'm just thinking to myself, there's no way that these better guys are that much better than him. He's always been a solid player ever since he was at AZ Alkmaar, and I actually think Ajax would be a great move for him going back to the Netherlands. I think he'd suit them really well, like you said, Zayac moving uh, the other way to England, and Crystal Palace would be actually really interesting because who knows what uh, the Zaha situation can be. So maybe he could be Zaha's replacement and, you know, they lack firepower. Honestly, like outside of Zaha, they have no one up top. Uh, and Jordan, I was a solid player, but it's just not enough. Honestly, he's if, been a really good player for them though, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's on, my, he's, uh, he's on my fantasy team. He's been pretty solid. Um, but I mean, he needs support. And honestly, if, if Zaha leaves next season, I, I that we always say that every like every summer that will Zaha stay? Will he go to a better team? And he's been staying all this time. I think he stayed. His stay has been way too long, um, and I think he really needs to leave now. But if he does, I mean, Crystal Palace are are one of the I think one of the favorites to go down if they don't replace him. So I think John Bash actually would suit Crystal Palace really well. Um, that's actually a great, uh, a great landing spot for him. I, I, I didn't think of that before, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see how Brighton treat him for the rest of the season and how, uh, especially with rotation, they, they're, he's going to have to possibly, I mean, there's likely he should at least be playing two more games before the end of the season. So we'll see 
how it goes, how his attitude looks, and like how the coach reacts to how he plays. So it's all going to be an interesting situation. Yeah, for sure. All right, I think uh, I think this is a great place to stop. I think this is uh, this was a lot of fun. You know, like I, it's really cool to always hear someone else's perspective uh, from from a different uh, fan standpoint. Obviously, you being a Chelsea fan, uh, we uh, this is kind of like a first for the podcast. So uh, I and uh, I wish you the best of luck on your podcast. I actually uh, just listened to your uh, episode with Jimmy Conrad and he's such a great guy. I, I, I met him a couple times. Uh, he, he's, he's really intelligible, uh, intelligent uh, when it comes to uh, world football. So thank you for coming on Cheyenne. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate the kind words about my podcast and it's my pleasure to be on here. Talk some football. More than happy to come back on whenever you'd like me to come on. Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll I'll keep in touch with you, and uh, maybe we can do a different uh, like crossover episode uh, on yours as well. Uh, and I'll definitely have something set up more more uh, more of like uh, those activities I was talking about earlier. So yeah, definitely. Uh, and for everyone that's listening, I uh, hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, be sure to uh, check out the podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes podcasts. Uh, Apple Podcasts, actually, that's what it's called now because it used to be just iTunes. I don't know why they changed it. Uh, and uh, you can check us out on Instagram and Twitter with the handle at BoxBoxPod. Uh, and that is it. Um, so next episode will be an interesting one for sure. I've, I've been planning it for a very long time. I don't want to give any spoilers away, but just make sure to check out our social media uh, platforms. And that is it. I will see you guys next time.